to another episode of independent thought i am your host desmond price if this is your first time checking out the podcast welcome to the show if you are a subscriber thank you for being subscribed and welcome back this is our season finale for season four unlike in previous seasons there will not be a very long break in between this and the beginning of season five i plan on this being a pretty quick turnaround more on that at the end of the episode I want to talk about today the humanitarian crisis happening in Afghanistan. It is more than just a hunger crisis, even that's what I uh, labeled this episode as. But Afghanistan is facing an incredibly difficult moment in its history. And I want to talk about that. We're going to talk about what exactly is happening, why it's happening, and what we can do about it as individuals. Too often, I bring every one of you stories. These stories are about devastating things happening around our country, around our world. And too often, I don't have an answer. I'm gonna try my best going forward to provide more answers for these problems. So, some of the news sources for this episode include The Guardian, ABC, DW, Democracy Now!, International Rescue Committee, and the UN World Food Program. If you are Listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, check the episode description. There will be links to all the information right there for you to check out. Click a little button, read an article, watch a YouTube video, whatever you prefer. So let's jump right in. According to the United Nations, the country of Afghanistan is on the brink of collapse. And I mean collapse in every way imaginable, truthfully speaking. It is experiencing its worst humanitarian crisis in its modern history. Now, this is due to many things, including obviously the pandemic that ravaged basically our entire world. Also, they are experiencing a drought, uh, an incredibly prolific drought, and also economic sanctions that were imposed after the Taliban took over the country in August of 2021. So first and foremost, I want to talk about the drought that they are facing. There, there's not a whole lot to say about a drought. Obviously, we all know the effects of climate change happening around the world right now. Afghanistan is experiencing an, an incredibly prolific like loss of rainfall in the area. They have not had a drought this bad in three decades. It's been over 30 years since they've had this dry of a situation, even for a desert-based country. Now, we're going to get to reasons why they're having issues importing food because that ties into their lack of finances within the country due to having their economy in free fall. But also with the drought being in place, they're having a hard time growing food, which Afghanistan doesn't really have the most fertile growing situations in the first place, again, being a primarily desert country. So their ability to grow their own food is tremendously being impacted right now. On top of the fact that they're having a hard time importing food because, again, after the Taliban took over, over $9 billion in assets 
were frozen by the United States and other Western countries. So the Taliban was not supposed to have access to any of the money that was left over within the central banking system and just other assets that were held by the Afghanistan previous government. So now the Taliban has taken over a country that has damn near no means to aid itself. They have to rely on the aid of others and the people are suffering. Now, on top of that fact, its currency has lost more than 25% of its value and its economy has shrunk by more than one third during just the year of 2021. Now then that might be a hard thing to put into perspective, but just know that jobs are collapsing everywhere. People don't have the ability to work. People don't know exactly how to generate money. People are standing in lines, even in the major cities, trying to get food. This is a massive country that this is happening to. Not exactly you know, a country that only has a few hundred thousand people or, or a couple million people. Afghanistan could see nearly universal poverty by 2020, by mid-2022. By the middle of this year, we're talking about 97% of people within the country being in just devastating economic situations. Now, on top of that fact, not only when you think about the money, but also just the, the infrastructure in the country, health clinics, for instance, 90%, 90%, nine out of every 10 clinics in this country are expected to shut down, depriving almost everyone in the country of any basic health care. Now, this country has around 40 million people in it. 40 million. Just for a little bit of a, of a scale, as we are watching the Russian military plow through the country of Ukraine and seeing so many people being displaced right now. And, and, we, and I covered that, everyone's covered that, everyone knows what's happening in Ukraine right now. The Afghanistan, the country of Afghanistan has just about the exact same number of people in it as the country of Ukraine. It's also the same population roughly as the state of California. Having that many people being impacted by this with almost no way out where they're gonna be facing 97% poverty amongst the population with probably within the next year. This, this is a massive crisis, a crisis that is just not being talked about. And that's something that we are going to discuss a little bit further down the episode. But over three and a half million people within this country are being forced to leave their homes. They're referred to as internally displaced people. Hundreds of thousands have already fled to several of the adjacent borders, including Iran and Pakistan, where they are seeking refuge in their neighboring countries. Now, this, this country has more than half of its population, 23 million, that currently, not, not projected, not you know at some point in the future, but currently, they are facing extreme levels of hunger. Nine of those 23 million are facing what can definitely be described as a famine. Now, unfortunately, this is not the worst news that I have yet to bring. The worst news is the specifics as far as how it's specifically affecting people on the ground in that country. And not just adults, but how it's affecting children. And, and these are not topics that people want to necessarily listen to, but I, I think it's important to understand what exactly exactly 
lack of food, lack of healthcare facilities, lack of the ability to, to take care of yourself, to have any kind of means of income, what exactly that looks like on the ground in these countries. It's especially important because this is a country that is directly being impacted this way due to actions that our nation, the United States of America, has taken. And then we have to also ask ourselves, is this really the right move? Is this really the right move? But we're going to get into that and a few other things right after this quick break from a couple words from our sponsors. Stay tuned. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at Betty'sDivine.com. Welcome back from the break, everyone. So let's get right back into it and talk about how exactly this is affecting people on the ground. But right before we do that, let's talk about the reason like why some of this is happening. Obviously, we can't explain distinctly why the country is going through a drought. So we're going to leave that off to the side for a second. Let's talk about these sanctions, these sanctions that were put into place due to the fact that the Taliban, which to be completely fair to the situation, is a terrorist organization. They have taken over the country of Afghanistan. There is some thought, I'm sure that went into the fact that we're doing the right thing by not letting a terrorist organization, which has already seized an entire country, have access to billions of dollars. I'm sure that that is in the forefront of some people's minds when they think, when they try to you know, rationalize the decision that was made by the US government. But let's talk about the kind of effects that that's been happening on people, because it's not just the Taliban that gets affected by these sanctions, just like it won't be the Russian government that's affected by the sanctions that are being currently imposed on Russia. 
How is it affecting the everyday person in these countries, specifically right now, Afghanistan? There are children right now that because of lack of access to food, lack of access to water, lack of access to electricity, have found themselves in the hospital time and time again in the clinics that still are open. Because as we mentioned before, up to 90% of these healthcare facilities are going to be shut down. So the ones that are still operating are being overrun. And I'm going to play a quick clip from ABC where they talk about visiting a children's hospital in the capital of Kabul. Here's the clip. The hunger that stalks this land now saves its cruelest blow for the smallest of bellies. In December, we went to the Indira Gandhi Hospital in Kabul. It's the only one in the country dedicated to caring for children. When we visited two months ago, its wards were overrun with malnourished kids, emaciated and sick, with bloated stomachs and limbs, so young and yet already fighting for their lives. Little Mohammed here is absolutely tiny. He's two years old. He weighs just about 11 to 12 pounds. He should weigh something much closer to around 30. He's just skin and bone. His mother doesn't have the money to get the medicine that he needs. A few weeks later, we go back to check on the two-year-old. He was in the hospital again, so weak, he could no longer open his eyes. I will say that that specific video that I just had the clip of there, that will be one of the links in the episode description. And the child that they just referenced at the end of that clip, uh, he did in fact leave the hospital better than he came in, but who, who's to say how they are, how that child and you know the family and other children are continuing to fare as this economic collapse continues, as the inability to access food continues. How many people are going to suffer and ultimately, let's just say for what it is, ultimately die? due to the fact that their country does not have the ability to take care of itself right now. So it, it, it honestly, unfortunately, gets, gets worse than this. You know, the people who have been left behind in Afghanistan, uh, they are, again, as we were saying before, 97% will be in poverty before, before very long. You know, they are desperate people who are resorting to desperate tactics as any human being would in this situation. Uh, some of them have taken to doing the unthinkable in certain cases, like selling their own organs. I've watched several videos now, read several articles where people are lining up to go into a healthcare facility to have their kidneys removed just so they can have some money to buy food to eat because there's no jobs whatsoever for these people. So they'll sell their kidneys for maybe a thousand dollars, 1100 bucks, like us, sometimes less. And that lasts for how long really, right? When you really think about that and you sold a kidney for that. And unfortunately it doesn't just stop there. I mean, on top of the fact that it's becoming more and more common for people to sell their kidneys, what also is happening is that in order to pay certain things like hospital fees, medicine, food, some families are resorting to even more unthinkable things. 
like selling off their own children. This was probably the more one of the more disturbing articles that I read in getting prepped for this episode was reading the several different accounts of mothers and fathers talking about how they had to sell their kids in order to get money for food or for money for electricity so that they could protect their other children or in certain cases selling some of their some of their children because they knew that other families would be able to feed them and they no longer could and i I had a really hard time getting through reading some of those accounts, listening to some of those accounts, watching people having to having to do something so so unbelievable. As we always sit here and say things like, I can't believe in 2022 we're still dealing with racism and things of that nature. I can't believe in 2022 that there are families selling their children so that their children will be able to eat. I I I cannot believe that. I cannot believe that, but it is happening. It is happening, not in some, some fairy tale, but in today's world, across our world, in this country of Afghanistan, they need relief in several ways in order to survive. I mean, these sanctions are crippling the people of this nation, the people who had nothing to do with the Taliban, who are every bit as oppressed, you know, and they, they, ha- they, have, no, they have no way out. They are dealing with the repercussions of sanctions for something that they have no control over. Now, recently, Dr. Paul Spiegel, who is the director of the Center for Humanitarian Health at Johns Hopkins, he recently went on to Democracy Now!, which if you're not familiar with Democracy Now!, now is the time to become familiar with Democracy Now!, but he recently went on to speak with Democracy Now! and speak about these sanctions particularly. Here's a quick clip of that, check that out. What has happened in the West is that they have very hard hitting sanctions that do not allow any funds to go to the de facto authorities, but in a very broad way. And it means that government run hospitals cannot receive money. Government run schools cannot receive money. Ministries of health for technocrats, they're not able to receive money. And so you have a healthcare system, particularly the higher levels, because there are some differences in the lower levels that are not receiving funds whatsoever. Yet these are civil servants, um, just like in the US and other areas that are required to be able to ensure that healthcare services, educational services are running and everything is, is um, falling down. And it's not just the sanctions, but it's also a huge issue in terms of the banking system, the central bank, and a massive uh, liquidity problem. So even when we, when I was there and we were paying polio workers and measles workers to try to get vaccines, there was insufficient money in the country to actually pay these people to do their jobs. So the question that becomes, well, it becomes really just obvious for me afterwards is, do we... And by we, I mean the U.S. Does the United States government, do they currently have knowledge of what's going on in Afghanistan? I would assume they do. I would expect they know exactly what's happening there. I also know for a fact that it's probably safe to assume that our Congress knows what's happening there, given the fact that on January 9th, the Progressive Caucus actually asked the Biden administration to lift these sanctions. And this was the reason that they cited for asking the Biden administration to lift the sanctions currently on Afghanistan. They said 
that if these sanctions were not lifted, there could be more civilian deaths in the next year than there would have been in 20 years of war. So if you would take all the civilian deaths that happened during the entire two decades, the United States was waging war in this country against terrorism. All of those deaths combined are going to be less than what's going to happen in just the next year because of the devastation that this country is facing. I got to say, I, 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 don't, I don't know what we're doing at this point. I mean, I mean there's, there's a few different ways to approach this. Uh, the U.S. government currently has frozen these assets. So they could do a couple of different things. They could continue to keep this freeze on and just let people die and say, well, we didn't want the Taliban to have that money, so we don't care how many hundreds of thousands of millions of people die. They could do that. They, they could. I, I guess the question is, how do we all feel about that? Another thing that they could do, since they have frozen these assets, they could just they could just take the assets. They could take the billions of dollars they have frozen, and they could use that money to send aid into the country. They could funnel aid into the country. They could go in there and just give money directly to the healthcare system, to they could just donate food directly. There could be many different routes they could take. They could do something other than just letting these people die. And again, this is happening almost directly because of sanctions that we imposed onto these people. These people are suffering because of these sanctions. In January, 2022, the United Nations announced that they were looking for $5 billion in aid. It was a $5 billion aid appeal for international donors to Afghanistan. Now, David Beasley is the executive director of the United Nations World Food Program. Now, he recently went on to DW, which is a German public broadcast network, to speak about exactly what he thought needed to happen as far as getting money into Afghanistan. Here's a quick clip of that. During this COVID experience, the world's billionaires have made unprecedented money. Over $5.2 billion of net worth increase per day. All we need is one day's worth of their net worth increase to really address our short-term crisis. Is that too much to ask? I don't think so because the world needs the world's billionaires who profited during COVID to help the world's poor. And I'm in total agreement with this. The world's billionaires could give a fraction, a small fraction of their combined wealth, and they could save millions of people from devastation. They could do that. They could. I don't know if they will, but they could. These people would be better off for it. But I, I don't think that there is just one particular like answer to this problem. I would love to see some billionaires throwing around their wealth instead of buying some damn yachts. They could throw they could throw some money at this for a change and actually impact the world in a positive way. We could see the lifting of sanctions as we we're talking about, or taking that money that they have frozen and funneling aid into the country. And there's also a way that we can do something as well. And this is kind of like what I was pointing out in the beginning of the episode where I said that there was some solutions that we could directly be involved in. I was trying to find some organization that was directly involved in getting aid and supplies 
I unfortunately have had some skepticism with some charities and donation sites in the past, just wondering how much of that money that you donate actually gets to the cause you're donating it to. That's a whole different rabbit hole. But what we were just referring to, which was the World Food Program, this is an incredibly well-rated uh, organization. The executive director was the person who just was speaking in that previous clip. They have actually uh, spoken directly with the Taliban, who has given them this unprecedented amount of access into the country and allowed them basically to operate within Afghanistan without any interference. So the money donated to this World Food Program is directly bringing aid, supplies, food to the people of Afghanistan. And I am highly encouraging anyone who is able to, to donate even $5. I am donating money myself. Uh, and also I know that sometimes people are a little weary about sending money to these things. So there is a phone number intact here. That number is 202-627-2242. Three nine three nine, and that number can be is is there basically the number that you would call for just general questions, or if you have questions about how the donations exactly get used, just any questions you might have. I know that sometimes people are a little weary about sending their money to organizations you're not familiar with. I am currently advocating for them, and I will have a link to their website in the episode description. So definitely check them out. Five dollars, honestly. I think we, I think we could all, I think we can all like pitch in a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's a huge amount of money. I know some people are very, very tight on money, but I, I think there's a, plenty of us out there who can spare $5. It'll go a long way into helping the people of this country who, again, as we've been talking about throughout this episode, have been crushed and are fighting for their lives. They are fighting for their lives right now. Some people have this expression time and time again, we're like, oh, we got to fix our own problem before we help other people. I think that's a load of shit, personally. Human beings are human beings, no matter what language they speak, what color their skin are, or what patch of dirt they came out of their mother in. They are humans. These people are directly being negatively impacted due to the atrocities of our government, while we basically have been mostly silent about Afghanistan, other than everyone being mad at the fact that we were leaving or how we left. But for decades, these people have been crushed by a war that was happening in their country that they had absolutely no control over. And even now that the war is over, the worst devastation is yet to come for them. And, and so on top of that fact, the reason why I specifically wanted to talk about this is because of the fact of what is happening currently in Ukraine. My previous episode, I detailed what exactly was going on with Russia and Ukraine. And in that episode, I talked about the fact that some people had brought up how Ukraine was getting unprecedented coverage, coverage that other nations just don't get when they are experiencing some type of a crisis. And I realized that in that moment, that that also applied to me. I hadn't been talking about what was happening in other countries. There are so many countries that are going through incredibly terrible moments right now in their history. 
talking about what's happening to the people of Palestine, what's happening to the people of Syria, what's happened last year to the people of Armenia, what is currently happening in Yemen and Somalia and Ethiopia and South Sudan. Um, it is unbelievable the amount of devastation, especially in Yemen, that is happening all over the world right now. I wanted to focus on Afghanistan above those other nations, not because, you know, of not because I was trying to like find particularly the worst one, but it is ironic to me that when we thought that we were doing the right thing by going into that nation and trying to rebuild it, not only did we never rebuild it, not only did nothing really change by us being there for 20 years, we've actually gone into a country and left it even worse off than when we were in there or than before we ever came in there. And I just could not get over the fact of the United States hubris into thinking that we could have fixed a country that didn't need to be fixed. We, we went in there seeking out Al-Qaeda after 9-11, killed Osama bin Laden and killed most of the members of Al-Qaeda in 2011, stayed there for another 10 years. We, time and time again, keep finding ourselves leaving nations worse off than they were before we ever got entangled with them. And we also can't seem to figure out why there's so many parts of this world that hate us. This could be a good moment for Americans, maybe outside of the capacity of their governments, to do something positive for the people around the world, people who have been devastated by the atrocities of our governments. So I wanted to talk about what's happening in Afghanistan. I hope that some of you will take the opportunity to donate to this World Food Program and send some money over to the people of Afghanistan. They need it, they are suffering, and we can do something about it. And going forward into the future, I'm going to make more of a concerted effort to talk about some of the atrocities that are happening around the world, not just the ones that our media is giving blanket coverage to. So solidarity to the people in Afghanistan. I'm hoping that things are going to get better soon. We're going to take one final break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about the wrap up of this season and what you can expect going forward into the next season. Stay tuned. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. First things first, as we are coming to a close of this season, I want to say a special thank you to all of the patrons out there, all the members of my Patreon. You are single-handedly keeping this podcast afloat. It's, it's very much appreciated. This is a full-time job for me. So your ability to help me spend more time with this and not at some second job is a massive, massive deal for me. So thank you so much. Uh, if anyone else is interested in becoming a member of, page, of my Patreon, the link is in the bio. I also want to thank all the people who are subscribed to the podcast who show up each and every week. It is a massive big deal. Thank you uh, to all of you who are subscribed. I would ask that if you are subscribed on here, uh, please make your way over to YouTube uh, or the few of you who might be on Twitch and go ahead and subscribe over there as well. 
There will be lots of new content coming to YouTube specifically within the next few months. So please be on the lookout for that. The link to my YouTube channel is in the episode description. So some new changes coming for season five. We are going to be kind of abandoning the current model that I have of this podcast. There will be, instead of one long episode every week, I am moving more towards having three little mini episodes each week. Um, that will be coming imminently. I expect it within the next month, uh, probably less than that. So be on the lookout for season five. It won't be too much of a break between season four and season five because I kind of already took a break. So going to just keep jumping right back into it. Another thing that you can expect, there will be more candidate episodes, but the candidate episodes from now on will be YouTube exclusives only. So again, make sure that you are on YouTube if you were interested in checking out any of these candidate episodes, as well as there will be more discussion panels on YouTube and on Twitch. I'm trying to put these together a couple times per month, maybe a little more often than that. We're going to see where it all goes, but I'm very excited about what these panel discussions are going to turn into. So definitely be on the lookout for that as time goes on. The best way to keep up with all the different updates that are going on, uh, as far as independent thought is concerned, is being subscribed on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And speaking of which, if you liked this episode, do me a favor and share this episode and tag independent thought, whether that's on Facebook, on Twitter, or on your Instagram story. It's a absolutely big help for me personally. Whenever someone tags me, you know, and, and, you know, shares the episode, I typically get a few people like who will click over on that and they'll come to my profile and I'll get a few followers from that. So it does have a measurable impact every single time someone does it. So if you enjoyed my content and maybe, you know, like you're not able to sign up for Patreon or something to that effect, or you just want to do something extra to help out the podcast, share an episode. It, it really does help. That, that's, um, that is something that I want to keep uh, pushing as I'm trying to get the podcast in front of more and more people. So I want to just lastly thank everyone again for being through this ride with me through all of season four. Um, this was a much longer season than I intended it to be, but I think it all played out well in the end. Thank you to everyone who checks out this podcast each and every week, each and every episode. And for those who take breaks, but come back and catch up, it's, it's, that's a really big deal for me as well. Thank you to everyone. Have a good rest of your week. I'll see you in the next season.